Well, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to begin a new series this morning. And I've, I've entitled it Flourishing in Life. You know, that's a big word for me right now. Um, I mean, I, I, I really feel like this is a year where the body of Christ will flourish like never before. And it's because the Bible says the faithful shall abound with blessings. The faithful shall abound. So those really those two words, abounding and flourishing, have been really big in my heart. And, and uh, how many are believing God to help you to flourish and abound in 2018? Amen. Amen. First of all, you know, you got to know that he wants to do it for you. I mean, I was raised in a traditional church. It was a good church. They taught me about Jesus. They taught me about my need for salvation and that without the shed blood of Jesus, there's no remission for my sins. And I was assured of my eternal security and my salvation whenever, whenever uh, I gave my life to the Lord. And I'm so thankful for that foundation in my life. But um, I was also taught that God could heal if he wanted to, but it was like most of the time it didn't seem like he ever wanted to. You, know? <laughs> you just, I mean, they, they, they taught me that God could heal if he wanted to, but then it might give him glory to let you stay sick. And so you just don't ever know what God's going to do. How many's ever heard that before? You know, you've heard people say things similar. Well, let me tell you this morning, God wants to. He wants to heal your bodies just as much as he wants to save your spirit and save your soul from hell. Amen. I mean, when he paid for the salvation of your soul and gave you the right to go to heaven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there was nothing, nothing, nothing left out of that sacrifice. Let me tell you right now. He saved you to the uttermost. So in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, won't you turn there with me? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and um, we're going to be talking this morning about how God cares about every part of our being, spirit, soul, and body. You know, I like what Pastor Mark Hankins says, that Jesus did not go through all of his sacrifice, the suffering, the bleeding, the dying, the whips uh, on his back, you know, the crowns of thorns on his head. He didn't suffer the rejection of his own father. He didn't suffer the curse of the law just to help you and I a little bit. He didn't go through all that just to help you a little bit. He didn't raise from the dead, you know, barely crawling out of the tomb, you know, uh, and just say, I sure hope that helped y'all some. No, he rose victoriously, amen? With the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I mean, he had such a victory consciousness that when he rose from the dead, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I rose from the dead, I'd be getting up out of that place. You know what I mean? But Jesus took time to fold the cloth that he was wrapped in. He's a person of excellence, you know. <laughs> He's like, he knew it was coming. He took the time just to fold it. It was laid up there, you know, before he left. I mean, that's cool. I don't know about y'all, but man, that's awesome. Amen. That's victory. That's not like he won, but really wasn't sure he was going to win. He wasn't even excited. He just knew. He knew his father was going to raise him up once his blood was shed and paid for the, for the sins of the world, praise God. Did you find 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? I'm going to start in verse 23, and it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That's W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy, or you could say completely. The very God of peace sanctify you 
completely or entirely holy. And he says, and I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I want you to pay special attention to uh, this where it says that he is the very God of peace. Say peace. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that this morning, that he is the God of peace. You know, really, we just think we know what peace is, and we really have a very shallow uh, understanding of peace. Now, when I say we, I'm sure there's some of you that have a very good understanding of it. But I mean overall, most people really do not understand what the Bible means when the Bible talks about peace. And I'm going to just talk a little bit about that this morning in my message. But um, he's the God of peace. And in the message translation, let's look at the message translation. May God himself put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. And keep you fit. How many know he's able to keep you fit? <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. But he's talking about fit spiritually and in our soul and in our bodies. He is able to keep us fit. Amen. I mean, really, think about it. Even physically, that's what it's talking about. That God is able to help keep you fit. That means God will give you wisdom. Did you know that what diet works for one person may not work for you the same? But when you pray and you seek the Lord, he can show you what to start eating. He can show you what to stop eating, what to start eating. Amen. You can get ideas from people and different things. But at the same time, you need to be listening to the Lord to help you, to guide you in what you're eating and what you're taking in your body. He can help you and show you what exercises your body, your body, say my body. He can show you what exercises your body will respond best to. I mean, start looking to him to talk to you. He will help you stay fit. Amen. Physically. Amen. Not only strong, not only lean, but also he'll keep you healthy. He'll keep you from getting sick and he'll give you wisdom on how to do that too. Amen. The Holy Spirit can show you what vitamins you need to start increasing in your life. Amen. Now, we believe in supernatural healing, but know that if people would be smarter in the natural, they wouldn't need so much supernatural healing. They would just have natural healing. Yeah. Amen. Thank God for healing. Yeah. But I'm so glad I'm not limited to my own efforts. Aren't you? Amen. But the Holy Spirit will take your efforts. He will take your desires and he will put his supernatural ability on that. Amen. Praise God. He will help you to stay fit. But you know, in the King James there, it says, the God of peace will sanctify you wholly, completely, or entirely. This is not something that I have to do on my own. This is what God will do for me. He will sanctify me entirely. Praise God. This is what he can do. Amen. He's going to get the glory out of this. So the message says, may God himself put you together. <laughs> Amen. Spirit, soul, and body and keep you fit for the coming of our master Jesus Christ now uh, turn with me in 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 I'm going to read verse 8 from the Amplified in 2nd Corinthians 9 verse 8 and uh, referencing the message translation of 1st Thessalonians 5 23 it says he's able to keep you fit okay this word fit it literally means thoroughly furnished thoroughly furnished how many has ever been to like an uh, 
uh, an outfitters, like outdoor hunting, whatever, and they call it outfitters, right? Well, what they're doing is they're fitting you for everything that you need for what you're doing, right? If it's a ski shop, if it's hiking, whatever it is, if it's hunting, if it's fishing, it's an outfitters. I mean, man, they're going to take care of you, everything you need. And, you know, you're going to probably walk out of there with more than you're going to use, too, you know, just in case. You know, the, all the lots of fun stuff, you know, you know, in these places, right, that you can go in and, and shop in and um, shoes, you know, mountain boots for two hundred dollars. And, and we live in next to level land in Plainview. <laughs> but you got you a pair, right? <laughs> but um, praise God, whatever you need, God says, I'm going to fit you out with, I'm, I'm going to take care of you, everything you need. Did you find 2 Corinthians 9, 8? This is what God's able do, to do in the Amplified. It says, and God is able to make all grace, which is every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Say abundance. abundance. Why is he wanting to do this for us? so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the, ever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Now, um, uh, another translation says that he is furnishing us in abundance for every good work and act of charity. Um, and that he's doing this for us, that we might have complete sufficiency in everything. Complete sufficiency in everything. I mean, listen, this to me is not telling me that God just wants me to barely make it. The reason why I believe in prosperity is because of this verse right here. Really, you don't even have to have the Amplified, okay? We could just, let's look at the King James if, if you're thinking, well, that's not really the Bible. Let's go back to the King James. Okay, here's really the Bible. It really says the same thing. When you study out and you find out what grace really is, look, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. Well, what this also tells us is that God doesn't just want you to have every favor and earthly blessing so you could buy everything you wanted in your life and have it. In abundance but why so that you may abound in every good work in other words God's blessed you so that you would be a blessing that's why he blessed Abraham he said I have blessed you so that you might be a blessing or he could have said I have blessed you that you might abound to every good work and act of charity praise the Lord praise the Lord glory to God are you believing for that are you trusting for it so in both the King James and the Amplified Bible, we have these words, abound, having all, or phrases, uh, abound, having all sufficiency, abundance, and complete sufficiency. Uh, I mean, that's flourishing in every area, isn't it? Amen. And so, um, as I said, we're going to pay attention to this word peace this morning. And uh, the Bible calls God the God of peace. And that he is the one who is going to sanctify us completely. Now, this word sanctify, it means to separate, okay? It means to separate. Say separate. 
Now, let me give you just a little bit of a teaching here. There is two types of sanctification mentioned in the scriptures. There's two types of sanctification mentioned in the scriptures. Most people in church only know about one of them. Okay, let me tell you what these two types of sanctification are. Number one, the first type of sanctification is what God does entirely for you. Okay, the second type of sanctification is when you apply the word of God to your life and trust in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to separate yourself from the world. Okay, what God does, the first type of sanctification is when God takes you out of the world. The Bible says in the book of Colossians that he has delivered us out of the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear son. Okay, that's God's sanctification in our life. He took you and I out of the world. He took you and I out of the kingdom of darkness. He took us out from underneath Satan's rule and tyranny over our lives and he put us into the kingdom of his dear son. One translation says he has put us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Amen. And that is the type of love that is in our lives and is, is uh, shed abroad in our hearts right now by the Holy Ghost. That's what God's done for us, okay? So now this second type of sanctification is when you apply the word of God to your life and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to help you get the world out of yourself. Amen. But what we're talking about this morning, and, and you know, you can't do either one by yourself. And you do have to receive Jesus even for this first sanctification to take place. But listen, here is what God wants to do. He is wanting to take you out from underneath Satan's rule over your life entirely. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, The God of peace is able to sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. That means that he is not just the Savior of my soul. And now I'm on my way to heaven but it means that he's also the savior of my body. Amen. That means that if I get sick, that there's healing provided for me in the atonement of Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and according to, um, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that if I'm in need financially, that means that there is provision for me, financial provision available to me through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Joel, where is that at? I'm glad you asked. We just read 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why did he become poor? That you through his poverty might be rich. Praise God. Amen. That's what happened on the cross. That's what happened at Calvary when Jesus sh uh, shed his blood and died for the sins of the world. Amen. I mean, everything was, a, was, was made available to you when Jesus died on the cross. Not only were you reconciled with God and born again, became a child of God, but also there was provision made for your bodies to be healed and whole. There was provision made for your financial needs to be taken care of and not just your needs, but your desires. God wants you as his child to walk and live in abundance. Amen? Amen. So that you can be a blessing. Amen. So that you can abound in every good work. Praise God. Amen. Now, um, This word sanctified holy, it means to be set apart from everything that Satan represents. 
God is the one who does this for us. He grants us freedom from torment, sickness, lack, and disease. Now, I looked up this word peace, and there are different words in the Hebrew and also the Greek language. There's different words translated peace in the English language. One of those words is shalom, and that's the most common word that's translated peace in English. And here's what this word peace means when it says that the very God of peace will sanctify you. What does sanctify means? It means to separate you and to take you apart from everything that Satan represents. Amen. The very God of peace will sanctify you holy. What's the significance that he's the God of peace in the act of sanctifying us completely and entirely? Okay, this word peace, it means peace of mind and tranquility arising from reconciliation with God and a sense of his divine favor. Let me read that again. It means peace of mind and tranquility arising from reconciliation with God and a sense of his divine favor. So whenever you see that because of Jesus' sacrifice that now you are reconciled with God, you know what it means to reconcile? Like if you and a friend, you know, kind of have a disagreement, you know, and you're at odds with one another, reconciliation needs to take place, right? Well, that's what happened between you and I, or with, well, maybe you and I, I don't know, but that's what happened with us between God, right? We were at odds with God because of our sin. Amen. And listen, if God has forgiven you of your transgression against him, then there is no transgression that you have a right to hold on to against anyone else. Because as soon as you hold offenses against other people, what you're stating is, is that that person's offense against me was worse than my offense against God. Because you'll receive his forgiveness, but you're not able to give forgiveness to others. Right? So it takes humility to forgive, doesn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. See, are you happy that he's forgiven you? Then no one should be able to offend you. I said, if you're happy that God has forgiven you, then no one should be able to offend you. No one should be able to take you out of your God-given place. You ought to get mad and recognize the devil at work. No, you don't, devil. You are not taking me out of my wealthy place. You are not, devil, taking... See, see, you got to get upset with some stuff. Because it's not going to happen for you just because God wants it to. You're going to have to get up and get some true grit. Watch some John Wayne movies for... Pete's sake. You can learn some things about what faith is just by watching John Wayne. You can also learn by getting in the flesh watching John Wayne. But, but, there's, <laughs> but there's certain things you need to keep by watching John Wayne. Amen. I mean, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the devil. You got to recognize the devil is the one at work. The devil is the one who's trying to steal your relationships. The devil is the one who's trying to steal your friendships. The devil is the one who's trying to destroy your marriage. The devil is the one who's trying to pluck you up out of your place of your assignment in life. He's the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy your destiny. And you got to get angry about it. You got to get so angry and so determined that you're going to fulfill your vision that you don't have time to let nobody upset you. I mean, they might hurt you and they might offend you and they might upset you, but man, you need to shake that off before the sun falls. That's the reason why the Bible says, do not let your wrath, you know, uh, exceed beyond the day, you know? I mean, when the, I mean, before the sun goes down, you need to get that stuff taken care of in your heart. 
I didn't say you wouldn't still have those feelings in your heart of animosity and, uh, and, and you know, and, and hurt and stuff like that. But you got to, again, you got to just say, I choose to forgive them. Let me say it this way. Your feelings will catch up with you soon enough, but they don't have to today. They don't have to tomorrow. Your decision is what determines whether or not you've forgiven someone, not your feelings. Amen. You can decide to forgive. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can decide to hold on tight to your destiny and refuse to let it go. Recognize when the devil's at work. Praise the Lord. Or you're just a puppet in the hands of the devil. Just it, 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 He could take you and do whatever he wants to with you. Not only destroy your lives, but he can use you to uh, discourage others and to hurt others. Amen. I don't want to be a pawn in the devil's hand. I don't know about you. And I don't know where all that came from either, but I'm telling you, if you want to achieve your destiny, I know after over 25 years that it doesn't just come automatically, that you're going to have to fight. I'm not talking about people. That's probably been a lot of our problems, including mine, is we end up fighting the wrong, you know, person. Amen. And really, we're not even in a fight with the devil. We're in a fight to hold fast the, the faith of God. The word of God. Because Jesus won the ultimate victory. Jesus whipped the devil. I don't have to whip the devil. All I have to do is fight the good fight of faith, which is to lay hold of the word of God and continually confess God's word despite the circumstances and what they look like or appear to be. Amen. That That the situation will turn around. If the situation does not line up with the word of God, that situation will change but I'm staying the same. I'm holding fast to the word of God. I'm going to be more than a conqueror. I'm going to have the victory. I'm going to win, praise God. Now, you can't just do that with the principle. You've got to have the spirit of that thing. You've got to know the spirit of faith is on the inside of you. Amen. Here's, here's the difference between a person who, and I'm talking about saved people, born again people on their way to heaven, love Jesus. Okay, here's the difference between a person with the spirit of faith and without the spirit of faith. See, the spirit of faith is an attitude. The principle of faith, you can pass a written exam, but that's about as far as it's going to take you. And whenever I teach the Bible uh, and teach subjects in the Bible at these Bible schools I go to, you know, I always tell them, I'm not getting you ready for a test. I'm getting you ready for your life. That's the test I want you to pass. Because there's people who can answer all the right questions and fill in all the right bubbles, you know. But then whenever the test of life comes, they freeze. Don't know what to do because all they had was a principle. They didn't have the spirit of that thing. What does it mean to have the spirit of faith? It means that you have the attitude of a conqueror. You have the attitude of a warrior. You're not hiding trying to avoid uh, a confrontation with the devil. You're not looking for a fight. You're not picking a fight. But at the same time, you're not hiding from one either. Amen. And that actually, you, you, you kind of get a little smile when he does attack you. <laughs> That's the spirit of faith. How many like to watch, you know, fights, you know, the mixed martial arts? And you'll pay big bucks to watch those things, I know. It's kind of disappointing when the fight doesn't last long though, right? Because they don't give you a refund on the portion that you didn't get to watch, right? That didn't happen. Right? No, I mean, if it's, if it's $100 for the fight, it don't matter if, the, if it's over in the first round, they don't send you like 80 bucks back. <laughs> you know? No, it, you, you done spin it, right? Well, w- what is a good fight? Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. 
Lay hold onto eternal life. See, eternal life is not just talking about where you're gonna spend eternity after you die. Eternal life is the quality of life that God has made available to us right here in this earth. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. In other words, I will not experience eternal life unless I'm willing to fight. You gotta be willing to fight. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sometimes you might have to pick a fight because the devil sometimes just is just antagonizing you. You know, he shows up at a distance just to let you know he's still there and he could come at you anytime he gets ready to. He likes to antagonize, you know. Well, that's when you just march right on over to him and say, no, it's not going to be tomorrow. It's going to be right now. That's what the spirit of faith does. You will never go to a new level in your life with the principle. What do I mean by that? Uh, being able to know all the right answers, you know, uh, to, to understand the teaching. That's the principle. But if you really want to go to a new area in your life, a new arena in your life, you want to do more than just pass a written exam. You're going to have to get the attitude of faith. You're going to have to get the spirit of faith. Where Here's the, what I was saying is the difference between a Christian with the spirit of faith and a Christian without the spirit of faith is that when the Christian without the spirit of faith uh, is attacked by the enemy, tests and temptations and trials come their way, they run from it. Oh, and God's merciful. He'll keep them alive, but they come back out the end of that trial in the same place that they started. Okay? But the person with the spirit of faith when the enemy attacks, when trials and temptations and persecutions come their way, they don't run from it. It, 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 it kind of it charges them up. It, they feel alive now. Amen. You know, it's kind of like a NASCAR, you know, Poe Duncan around Post or Lubbock. You know, it's like it's got so much power under the hood. I remember my uncle, he used to race, you know, do the quarter mile strip racing in Lubbock and, and he, would, he was always working on a race car and he had this one race car and man, you know how they sound whenever they start up. It's like, blam, blam. I mean, it just sounds mean, you know, and, and awesome. And, and I remember I was really young. I was probably 13 or 14, but I, I wanted to take it around Lubbock, you know, uh, you know. And he said, you can't do that, you know. He said, it, we'll throw a rod in this thing if we were to try to take it around Lubbock, stopping and going and all this. I didn't understand all that then. But some things aren't meant for, uh, to thrive in, in, in peaceful times or peaceful settings. God has created you in such a way that you're really not going to feel alive until you're being challenged, until you're being attacked. That's when you come alive. Glory to God. So instead of running from these things, I mean, feed on the word of God until you get a holy anger on the inside of you that nothing is gonna stop me from receiving what God has for me. Nothing is gonna keep me from achieving my destiny. I will not give up. I will not quit. I wear this every day. Pastor Hagen had these made up in Tulsa. It says simply, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Amen. Praise God. I mean, I never feel like quitting, but I mean, you know, you know what the devil can do besides get you to feel like quitting? He can just get you feeling sorry for yourself and you might as well quit because you're not going to accomplish anything. Amen. And so whether I'm feeling good or bad, high or low, whenever I'm doing stuff and I see that, I just make that confession. I say, I thank you, Lord. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. 
So, just before we close, I want to talk to you about what this word peace means. As I said, it means peace of mind and tranquility arising from reconciliation with God and a sense of His divine favor. Okay, so whenever I come to see that through Jesus' sacrifice that I have been made right with God, that God is not mad at me anymore, and through the blood of Jesus, God is not mad at you anymore. That through Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus has literally made a way for you and I to have reconciliation with God. The same way that you would reconcile with the friend that you were on uh, the outs with, Jesus has made a way for you and I to be reconciled to God. And when you know that, and you know that you are a recipient of His divine favor, I mean, that'll bring peace right there. The God of all peace. Now, I found a few other places, two of them in Romans and one of them in Philippians, where this Greek word peace is used. And I thought it flowed so good to, in, it, to, in place of the word peace to use the definition. Watch this. And we're, we'll start in Romans 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so this word peace, watch this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or you could say, we have reconciliation with God and a sense of His divine favor. That's why we have peace with God. We have peace with God by having been made reconciled with God and have been given a sense of His divine favor. Now look at Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So um, let's put in the definition for peace here. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and a sense of his divine favor in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. All right, now let's look at Philippians chapter four, verse seven. And I'm reading this out of the ERV translation. Philippians four, seven, it says, and because you belong to Christ Jesus, God's peace will stand guard over all your thoughts and feelings. His peace can do this far better than our human minds. Man, I'm just going to read that again because that is just too good right there. And because you belong to Christ Jesus, God's peace will stand guard over all your thoughts and feelings. His peace can do this far better than our human minds. Praise God. So let's put in the definition. And because you belong to Christ Jesus... The sense of his favor and our reconciliation with him will stand guard over all our thoughts and feelings. See, when you know that God's not mad at you, when you know that reconciliation has been made between you and God, and when you know that God's favor is on your life, there is no room left for any other thought that would be contrary to that. Amen. That knowledge will stand guard over your thoughts and your feelings and give you that peace that comes only from God. Amen? 
Praise God. Now, you know, all Christians, as I said, uh, will believe that Jesus' sacrifice at Calvary, it did something for them and us spiritually. We're born again, we're on our way to heaven. But did you know that's not where it ends? Amen. That's not where it ends. That's where it begins, but that's not where it ends. You know, um, in Hosea 4, 6, it says, God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And then uh, let's look in uh, John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now let's back up just a couple verses. As he spake these words, many believed on him, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So here's the thing is, is that we don't always get what God wants for us automatically. You don't get it automatically. Jesus told his disciples, he said, first of all, you gotta continue in my word. That's meditation in the word of God, feeding on God's word. Not just getting head knowledge so you can pass a test. How many has ever crammed before for a test? You stayed up till 2 a.m. cramming for the test, maybe 4 a.m. You got two hours of sleep, you went to class, you took the test, you aced it. How much of that do you remember? You don't remember none of it. You didn't even want to, you didn't even try to remember it. You just wanted to remember it long enough to pass that test. That's what happens when you get it up here in your head. But uh, back now, uh, those uh, maybe 30, yeah, verse 31, he said, if you continue in my word. So this is not just something I'm gonna get today and be able to function in it uh, to, the, to the greatest degree that, that I'm able to or that's available to me. You know, this is something that I'm gonna be getting better at and better at and better at, learning to receive from better as the years go by. I'm not talking about the hours. I'm talking about years, where if you continue in this, you know, you really haven't even continued in nothing <coughs> until you've done it at least five years. Amen. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta continue in God's word. And he says, if you continue in my word, that means feeding on the truths of the scriptures, not just getting me in your head, but actually feeding your spirit. Where, where Jesus said in Matthew, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God does man live. So if we're continuing his word, he says that, that's what makes you a disciple. Hey man, you know, we focus so much about being Christians. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, are you a disciple? Not every Christian is a disciple. A disciple means a student of the word or a student or a follower of Jesus. Amen. And so verse 32, then he also says, first of all, he says, continue in my word. And then he says, and you shall know the truth. So you do got to know the word. And a lot of times we just want to say, well, I know the truth. But knowing the truth is not what sets you free. If all you did was read verse 32, you would get the impression that all I had to do was know the truth and I would be made free. Okay, but you have to read more than just the text. You have to read the context. We're gonna flip back to verse 31. Here's the, here's the fuller context. First, he says in verse 32, he says, uh, you shall know the truth and that truth will make you free. But you really can't just read that verse. You gotta read verse 31 where he says, if you continue in my word, then you're to my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth that you know shall make you free. 
Listen, I don't even know the word that I don't continue in. Notice he said, wouldn't it make sense to say, know the truth and then continue in it? That's what would make sense to me. How could I continue in something I didn't know? But with the word of God, I'm doing more than educating my brain. That whenever I'm continuing in the word of God, my brain may have the answers, but I'm feeding it into my spirit by continually practicing and observing that word in my life. Now I know it. See, I thought I knew John 3.16 when I got born again. I knew a fraction of it, enough to get me born again, and that was about it. But I'm pulling stuff out of there now, 25 years later. It, read, it reads the same thing. I'm reading out of the same Bible. You know, but I'm seeing so much more because why? Because I've continued in it, and now I can see more in that truth than I could see when I first got born again. So you continue in the word, Jesus says, and he says, and you shall know the truth. So knowing the truth comes as a result of continuing in the word. If we're just trying to pass a test, I mean, um, know it, study it, know it. But there's more to the word of God than just being able to pass a test, amen? That's not gonna take you to the next level in your life. It's not gonna just happen just because God loves you and he feels sorry for you. You're gonna have to get some, some fight on the inside of you, amen? He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Praise God. Notice it, it didn't even say set you free. And we, we misquote it a lot. We say, the truth shall set you free. Jesus didn't say the truth shall set you free. When you think of being set free, I mean, you might think of a, of a calf that's been pinned up for, for two days in a small pen and, and, and op- the gates opened up. Man, farting, bucking, kicking. I mean, that calf is gone, man, right? That's set free. Did Pastor just say fart in church? I did before I realized I did. I'm sorry. But anyway. <laughs> but that's what they do. I mean, man, that's freedom, boy, when you can just let it go. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, but, but Jesus didn't say, you, you shall uh, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we're not talking about spiritually. Spiritually, you're set free. Delivered from the kingdom of darkness, translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Spiritually, you are set free, but, but mentally, in your soul, in your, in your emotions, the, the wounds and the pains that others have caused you in your past, the, the, the things in your life that has is, that is harmed you and, and, and uh, you know, hindered you in life, you know, those are the things you're not going to necessarily just get set free from. You're going to be made free. That's a process. And it comes through the renewal of the mind process, amen, by continuing in the word of God. And it's the word that you continue in is the word you're gonna eventually know. And that word that you know is gonna make you free. Praise God. Do you believe that? Amen. Glory to God. What time is it? 11.30 right now? I was led of the Lord yesterday to just have an altar call for people who have been wounded, for people who have been hurt, and we're gonna, we're gonna include this uh, altar call for those who have physical illnesses as well, but, and that's what I originally intended it for, but now the Holy Spirit's saying it's more than just physical sickness or disease or pains, but wounds of the heart. Jesus is the healer of the broken heart. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. Jesus is wanting to make you free. Amen. So you can rise up 
and go to that other level in your life. Do you believe that? Amen. If there's anyone in here, just make your way up to the front. I'm not gonna pray long over you. I'm just gonna lay hands on you. I'm gonna speak the word of God over you and I believe that there will be an impartation made that will change your life. Glory to God.